Our message this morning is a little bit different than usual. Usually we take one passage of scripture, more often than not, from a particular book that we are working our way through and deal with that either paragraph or a few verses. This morning I will ask you to, if you have your Bible with you, there are several passages that I want to look at. And I am uh, thinking about a particular topic, a particular subject, a particular need. And I want to address that from several passages this morning. We will start with Psalm 100. So if you have your Bible and would turn there with us. The other three passages that I will ask that we look at in just a few moments are from the New Testament. Would you pray with me, please, before we look into the Word of God? Father, may the Spirit of God be our teacher today. We are grateful to you that we do not have to depend on the teaching of a pastor, of men, of women, uh, but the Spirit of God is the teacher and the final arbiter of your truth, bringing it to our hearts, our homes, uh, to our minds, to our memories, and then enabling us to live in light of what we see. And so we pray this morning for his ministry to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. What does your life consist of today? Young people, your whole life is in front of you. Have you thought seriously about your goals and ambitions and actually what makes up your life today? Have you thought about those things? If you are in your mid-years, how are you spending what in all likelihood are the most productive years of your life? And if you are in your later years, are you finishing well? This morning I want to remind myself and all who are here of a lifestyle and some particulars in that lifestyle. You have your Bible open to Psalm 100. Sadly, this passage of Scripture is often referred or relegated only to Thanksgiving. And I'm not bringing that up today because it's coming close to Thanksgiving. I have other things in mind. Psalm 100, I want to read the first three verses in your hearing. Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord Himself is God. It is He who hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. The focus for the opening remarks in my message this morning are verse 2. Serve the Lord with gladness. Observe, first of all, and I will give you four A's to begin here. First of all, observe the action. The psalmist says, serve the Lord. You know, uh, I fear that uh, in the days in which we live with the hectic pace of everybody's life, that uh, it is commonplace for folks to come to trust Jesus Christ. And that is the primary message of the church. 
Jesus loved us. He died for us. And he invites us to come to him to have our sins forgiven, to be cleansed, and to have a home in heaven. Uh, That's evangelism 101. That's getting the word of God out to people who need to come to know Jesus as their personal Savior. But I'm sometimes concerned about what happens after that. We come to faith in Christ, and uh, as a pastor friend of mine put it, sometimes we sit and soak, and that's it. We know that we've trusted Christ as Savior. And then we focus on our jobs, on our families, on our pleasures, and on a host of other things which can and sometimes do occupy all of our days and most of our years. In thinking about this text and what I wanted to say about it this morning... I was reminded, you know, uh, I'm going to preach Sunday, uh, I'm thinking earlier in the week, on this particular subject. Serve the Lord with gladness. And so often, the things that I have just mentioned occupy all of our time, our job. And that has to occupy a great deal of our time. We have to make a living. Uh, Our families, and so on. But you know, the thought came to me, and uh, I share with you, when David penned these words to the children of Israel, they too had lives to live, they too had families to take care of, they too had to work to provide some kind of income, they too had activities, for example, all of the, the feasts throughout the Old Testament, the children of Israel were occupied with all of these things. And yet in the midst of all of those things, all of their busyness, like our busyness, different things, but same busyness, David said, serve the Lord. And that's my message this morning. Serve the Lord. Come to know Him. That's first. That's primary. But then serve the Lord. That's the action. But it's to be carried out with an attitude. Serve the Lord with what? Gladness. Gladness. Webster's Dictionary, I, I, over the years, I have found <laughs> to, be, to be very helpful. It's a lengthy section there, but one definition of gladness is characterized by cheerfulness, joyful. And this is just the opposite of, well, I know I'm supposed to usher, or I know I'm supposed to sing in the choir, or I know I'm supposed to help prepare communion. I really don't have time to do all this stuff, and I'd rather be doing something else, but I've just kind of got to do it. Does that sound like something characterized by cheerfulness and joyfulness to you? No, of course not. Serve the Lord with gloom and doom. What was that old TV program? Gloom, doom, agony, despair on me, or whatever it was. I don't remember all of that. Some of you do. (laughs) To serve the Lord. That's the action. But there's an attitude that goes with it. As pastor, am I going too far to say, if the attitude is not there, that much of the action is negated? Third. There is an allegiance. There's an action. 
to be carried out in an attitude and with an allegiance. Now, if you will turn with me, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Now, I don't know what Bible you have. You may have the Pew Bible or you may have your own study Bible or, or some, other, some other Bible. Uh, I suspect, and I didn't look it up in the old King James, but when I grew up, um, my folks gave me a King James Bible, and that's all my pastor when I was growing up preached out of, and any verses that I memorized during those years basically come from the King James Bible. Uh, I think the word trustworthy is used in the American Standard, which I have before me. But there's an allegiance, and that is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found, and the word that's in my Bible is trustworthy, but the word I remember from earlier days in the old King James is, moreover, it is required of stewards that a man be found faithful. Now, I want you to think, this, think about this with me for just a couple of minutes here, Okay? No matter how good a surgeon is, if he's not in the operating room to do his job, how good he is doesn't make any difference, does it? I mean, if you've got the best surgeon in the world, but he's on the golf course when you're in the OR, how good is he? What difference does it make how good he is? No matter how good a musician is, if he is not present when the overture begins then frankly, how good he is just doesn't make a whole lot of difference, does it? When the conductor raises his baton and the wonderful, marvelously gifted musician is not there, what difference does it make how good he is? No matter how good the athlete might be, if he's not there at game time, same thing. How good he is makes no difference in the world. Now, stay with me. What the operating room is to the surgeon. What the overture is to the musician. And what game time is to the athlete. Church is to us. Are you with me? Church is to us. No matter how good we might be at a particular task. If we aren't present at the crucial hour, then how good we might be at that task really is of no consequence. Friends, God looks for, He delights in faithfulness. It is not God's will that His church be guided by absent hands. You can't mail it in, folks, any more than a surgeon, a musician, or an athlete can mail in his gifts and abilities to their venue. Jesus rose from the grave. And listen to me. We take this, I think, so much for granted. Jesus rose from the grave. And in his resurrection ministry, he said he would meet with his people. He would meet with his people. It just seems to me that if he promised to meet with his people, 
doesn't that create a sense of urgency for us to do the same thing? If it was important enough for the Bible to record, he said he would meet with his people, doesn't that make it incumbent upon us that we do the same thing? There's an action, that's to serve the Lord. There's an attitude, that's with gladness. There's an allegiance and faithfulness. And fourth, there is an admonition. For this, would you turn with me please to the book of Galatians, chapter 6. Galatians, chapter 6. Galatians 6, verse 9. There the Apostle Paul writes, And let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we shall reap if we do not grow weary. There are two things in that verse of Scripture. There is an encouragement. Do not grow weary. You know, it's, I think, relatively easy to grow weary in doing the Lord's work. Sadly, sometimes folks serving the Lord in a faithful ministry, and they're doing a good job, and they're not appreciated. That seems to me to be something that creates a tendency, at least, toward weariness. May I take just one example? And they haven't asked me to do this, and they probably would just assume that I didn't. But when was the last time you said thank you for being an usher? We take them for granted. But, you know, increasingly the world in which we live demands that we have a certain kind of individual who's serving as an usher, not meaning to, to uh, alarm anyone, but you read the same stuff that I read in the newspapers. Somebody at service time walks up to the church door. Nobody's seen them before. Well, that's all right. You know, folks that we've never seen before need to come to church. And we ought to be welcoming to them. But somebody, i.e., here, ushers, need to be observant and watching folks. There's an awful lot of evil in our world that comes into churches. When was the last time you said thank you to an usher? Easy to grow weary week after week, Sunday after Sunday, handing out bulletins, programs, pointing folks to the restroom facilities, looking for a Sunday school class for a guest, and those kinds of things. So it is not unreasonable at all that people grow weary in doing the Lord's work. And yet the Apostle Paul says, don't grow weary in doing the Lord's work. But then the Apostle Paul goes on to give a reason for it. And it is a wonderful reason. What, there's encouragement not to grow weary, but then there's a promise we will reap if we faint not. There's the hope. We will reap if we faint not. Don't grow weary in the Lord's work. 
Why, Paul? Why not? Sometimes it's, it's tedious. Sometimes it's kind of difficult. Don't grow weary, though, he says. For in due time, we'll reap if we faint not. God will reward his own for their labors. Make no mistake about it. You know the scriptures. Not even a, coal, not even a cup of cold water, given his name, will go unnoticed by our Heavenly Father and will go unrewarded. Not even so much as a cup of cold water. You know, the author of the book of Hebrews used many examples in Hebrews chapter 11. And he used the names of these Old Testament people to encourage people of his day. We take it that it was the Apostle Paul who wrote the book of Hebrews. Probably so. Okay, But regardless of the particular author, the author used people from the Old Testament as an encouragement for the men and women of his day. Turn with me, please, to the book of Hebrews, the 11th chapter. Remember now, these were examples used by the author. And he used them for the purpose of encouraging his own people. In that day, in his day, he begins uh, what many refer to as the Hall of Fame of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11. Let me just move through here fairly quickly. Uh, I'm not going to read all this, but if you'll just notice, let me mention a verse and uh, you follow along as the, the verses come to us. Verse 4, by faith Abel. Verse 5, by faith Enoch. Verse 7, by faith Noah. Verse 8, by faith Abraham. Verse 11, by faith Sarah. Verse 17, by faith Abraham. Verse 21, by faith Jacob. Verse 22, by faith Joseph. Verse 23, by faith Moses. Dropping down, verse 31, by faith Rahab. Verse 32, he changes it just a little bit, but the point's the same. I tell you, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah uh, of David, Samuel, and the prophets. And then if you would notice the 12th chapter. How does it open? Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, may I suggest something to you here? Perhaps you've heard, I have, uh, messages on Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. And images are conjured up of people who've preceded us into heaven, and they're there watching us. And I don't think there could be anything any further from the truth of Scripture than that. Um, a lot of reasons, but I'll not go into all of them. Uh, what's he talking about? A great cloud of witnesses. I believe he's talking about the people in chapter 11. That keeps everything in context. That's the great cloud of witnesses, and he's using them as an encouragement. If you have a, a, a study Bible, or almost any Bible will have an outline within the chapter of uh, Hebrews 12 
uh, it mentions in the one I have, debatable things in life in verses 1 and 2, the disciplines of life, verses 3 to 12, the direction of life, verses 12 to 17, uh, the drive of life, verses 18 to 24, the duty of life, 15 to 29. And I just want one verse, okay? One verse. Verse 28. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken... Let us show gratitude by which we may offer. And would you please notice we may offer to God an acceptable service. Serve the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness, with faithfulness, not being weary, for we shall reap if we faint not. The author of Hebrews, I believe, used all of those mentioned in the 11th chapter to encourage the people of his generation. Hear me, folks. We have people today who rightly can be used to encourage all of us. May I take just a moment? I've never done this before. May I take just a moment and read something from the church constitution? The Board of Deacons may award lifetime honorary plaques to any individual who has attained 68 years of age and has demonstrated dedicated spiritual leadership in Wake Chapel Church. Who are some of the ones that uh, I'm going to use for examples? Well, of course, we've got those mentioned in the 11th of Hebrews, but the ones I want to mention to you this morning are, you remember Joe Stevenson? Sure. Mr. Joe, as he was called. You remember C.W. and Kate Russom? She taught Sunday school, sat at this organ bench, the piano bench. Early in her life, she directed the choir. C.W. was a deacon. You remember Carrie Powell. You remember Bryant Cotton. You remember Anna Mae Powell. You remember Johnny McKinney. You remember Faye Hare. Examples of people that we have known or know who serve the Lord with gladness faithfully those are people that can encourage my heart and yours I'd like to read one other thing from our church constitution the administrative board will elect a nominating committee of five members who, in cooperation with the minister, nominate church officers and board members. Before a person's name is placed in nomination, the committee shall be assured of that person's availability and willingness, here are the two words, to serve. The administrative board has put in place this year's nominating committee. 
And soon they will be doing their work. It may well be that you might be given the opportunity to exhibit those four particulars in that lifestyle that I have mentioned. I say to you, serve the Lord with gladness. I will be praying for you. Would you bow your heads, please? Our Father, the first message of any and every church ought to be about Jesus, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his imminent return. It ought to direct people to the word of God. But then our Father, the church needs folks to serve. Some jobs are public up front, out front. Some are not. But there is the need. I pray our Father as our nominating committee does their work that they will have prayed and that they will seek those who will serve you with gladness and be faithful in their task. Lord, I close this morning with an acknowledgement that there might be somebody in this room this morning who's never trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. The message has not been directed toward the sacrifice of the sinless one on Calvary's cross. But that is our first desire. If there's someone here this morning and you have spoken to their hearts and regardless of the Bible verse, you can speak to the hearts of people. And I pray for that one person who might right now thank you for loving them, for dying for them, and might just simply say right now, Lord, I'm trusting you right now as my Savior. I have sinned, and I come to you for cleansing and forgiveness. And that seals the transaction. They belong to you. Thank you, Father, for your word and for a Savior who loves us and would deign to give us the opportunity to serve him in his church. We ask these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Thank you for worshiping in the house of the Lord this day. This is the Lord's day. Pray for those folks, for Liv McKinney, for the three sons, for the grandsons. Pray for them. As you know, we had Johnny's memorial services yesterday. Pray for Tracy Moose. Um, She... When I first heard from her 
just simply said she had not had time to, for her mind to grasp the homegoing of her father. Go home and, as we've been asked, get to your bookshelves. We have heard about the library and, and uh, the books that are needed and can be used with such profit. There are exams that go from CLI to those who are incarcerated. And we have folks in our fellowship who receive those exams and grade them. Uh, you've got dormant books like my wife and I do. We've already got a stack that we're going to bring, and I hope to add to it. Pray about that. Pray about those people who get the books. Let's pray one for another. You know, um, almost without fail, there are unspoken requests on Wednesday night. It's just mentioned as an unspoken request at prayer meeting. With a crowd of folks like this, there are a lot of unspoken requests, I am persuaded. I don't know what they are. The Lord does and the individual does. Just pray. Lord, I don't know what the needs of others are, but you love them and I pray that you'd meet their needs. Comfort them. Serve the Lord with gladness. Curtis Holloman is our deacon of the day. Curtis, if you'll come, please, and dismiss us, asking God's blessing on his word and on his people. If you're here this morning without a Bible, you don't, maybe you don't have a Bible in your home, Quite some time ago, Deacon started a program. If you're here as our guest, if you're here and, and you don't have a Bible and you would like one, on the table to your left in the foyer, there are Bibles. Please take one. It'd be a blessing to this church family to know that you have one. So if you need a Bible, please take one. Curtis, pray for us, please. <clears throat> if I may, before I... I pray, I hope I'm not stepping out of bounds, but I'd like to make an appeal. This morning, a gentleman gave me a little bracelet. He said, if you'll wear it, I'll give it to you. It says, simply, I'm a Christian. I will vote. This was given out at a gathering led by a noted uh, Christian leader, theolo uh, theologian. So, as Christians, he's saying we need to vote. Um, you know, <clears throat> in Jesus' time, they didn't vote. But they paid taxes. And there are a number of places, I think three, three or four in the, in the New Testament, one in the Old Testament Kings, that refers to uh, our civil duties through paying taxes. Voting is a civil duty. Vote. <clears throat> Let us pray. Father, we bow, acknowledging you as the God of love.
the God of mercy, the God of grace, a source of hope and comfort, and a giver of life. You gave us your son who was sacrificed on that cross that through belief in the resurrection of him that we are saved. We thank you for that. Just lead and guide and direct our thoughts and our minds based on the power of you, God. Father, we remember our prayer list. We've had three deaths in our family. We ask you to be with the family of Etta Matthews, particularly her father, Warren Lee. Just give them a special hand of love and up uplifting. For the family of Johnny McKinney, a friend of all of ours. And for the family of Tracy Moose and her fathers. Father, we ask that you bless the other, others that are listed on our prayer list and many that are not. Uh, some are needing healing. Some are need, needing other things. You know their needs. We just ask that you bless them with your presence and with healing and whatever their need might be. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for our uh, our mission of the day. Um, we just ask that you bless that service, that you bless that effort, that you lead and guide and give them grace and that you'll give them direction and that you give them finances that they might be able to uh, continue the, the work that they are doing. We we know that an important factor in the Christian's life is the preparation of men and to come to churches and to, to preach, to men and women to go into various other services that Piedmont International University offers. Um, we just ask that you continue to support them and to bless them. Father, just lead us and guide us now as we leave. Keep us close to you and bring us back again to worship next Sunday in Christ's name. Amen.